Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. This week on the iRacing Downshift, I'm on a plane, so Greg and Kevin take the wheel. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I see what you did there. We talk about all the 2022 Season 1 updates. Only the most requested update track ever in the history of iRacing. And Mercedes F1's James Foles drops in. Comments from some of our simulator drivers were, yes, this is exactly how it feels. All this and more, so strap in. Welcome to the iRacing Downshift. I'm your host, Greg West. I'm back with the boy, Kevin Bobbitt. And that's it. Where's Chris? Where's Chris? Where's Chris? Chris is Kevin? in Las Vegas. What's he doing in Vegas? What happens in Vegas stays uh, in Vegas. I see what you did there. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do the show without Chris. Chris is just going to mix it on the plane. That's yeah, what Chris so does. we'll get a full update and report from Las Vegas on the next Downshift podcast. Or we won't, because what happens in Vegas. <laughs> we'll find out. There you go. Uh, we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, 2022 Season 1 content. What's coming to iRacing? We got lots of cars. We got lots of tracks, lots of fun stuff to do. And then, Kevin, we have a guest. Somebody we do up. have a pretty in, a pretty interesting guest. Is um, it buried, are we burying the lead here a little bit? Well, it's probably teased in the title. I don't know. Yeah. James Voles from Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One team is showing up and going to talk to us about the development of the Mercedes AMG F1 W12 E Performance car. Uh, we're going to talk about the other two new cars coming to the service: the Hyundai Elantra CN7 and Honda Civic Type R. Uh, this is like a full touring car package. It's amazing because we have a new track coming, which is Knock Hill. Knock Hill. Not one, not two, not three, but five configurations of knock hill we'll get to that in a moment and the porsche experience center the porsche experience center that's connected to hockenheim so uh we were able to scan that and that's got i think four configurations four configurations and we'll talk about those in a little bit now or a little bit as well but first let's kick it off with the mercedes amg f1 w12 e performance yeah i got it right that time kevin well done uh Coming to iRacing, this has been a really big project for us, right, Kevin? It's been a huge project. Uh, I, I won't uh, spoil all the secrets that, that uh, James is going to share with us uh, in the interview, but uh, it's been a, a long process uh, working with the team, uh, lots of back and forth on all kinds of things. Um, I've really learned a lot, and I think that this is going to be one of our most popular cars. It, it, it's amazing. I, I I mean, I've, I've been driving it. I've been fortunate enough to drive drive it while it's being developed and kind of see it iterate and get better and better. It's going to be fun. Even I can drive this car. Um, I, I'm not going to be a world championship driver in it, but uh, but I can drive it and have a good time. Yeah, 35 seconds around Lime Rock, if anybody's wondering. It's that fast. <laughs> Somebody's going to go beat that and put it in the forums. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, plan on, on, on releasing this with the build, you know, pending final approvals. That's, of course, everything that we're talking about in the podcast yep. today. 
But, uh, yeah, this has been just an absolute uh, pleasure to be involved with. Uh, and they have they've been helping us not only on this car, but working with us on, you know, developing the product as a whole uh, even prior to that. I mean, how long does this go back? Since uh, I think basically when we shut down for COVID. Well, we didn't shut, shut down, down, but many people did, right? We, we kind of exploded and, and we got busier than ever, um, which we've covered on previous podcasts. But uh, the racing world was shut down, right? I mean, uh, I think Formula One was out of track when they canceled it, if I remember right, maybe in Australia or mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, and they had to, you know, they needed to do some things. And, and they reached out to us. And that's when the, this all started, the process, right? Initially, it wasn't even a, hey, if you want to build this particular car, it was like, hey, we'd love to learn more about your sim and, and see what we think about it. And are there things that we can collaborate on? And it's just the relationship has grown from there, which is really quite amazing. Uh, you know, I think it's helped both of us. And we're excited to actually present uh, the first car uh, that we announced. I think we announced it in September. Obviously, we knew about it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, there's another car coming down the road as well. Yeah. We're going to build the 22 car as well. Yeah, so we're building uh, the current uh, the current challenger that Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas are competing in. It will actually, pending approvals, will release prior to the last race of the season, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we'll have the current F1 car in the uh, – the current Mercedes AMG F1 Challenger within iRacing, uh, while it's still racing, so that'll be that'll be great. But yeah, it's just a it's an absolute dream to drive. It, the amount of downforce that it has, and we'll let James talk about uh, more of the specifics of the car and the development process here in just a little bit. Uh, but Kevin, that's not the only uh, piece of car content that we have coming out. We've got the Hyundai Elantra CN7 as well, right? That's right, uh, and that'll be a great addition to our touring car lineup. Uh, excited for that. Obviously, uh, that's a, a category we've been promising to, to fill out uh, for a while, right? And uh, it'll join the Audi. That's the S3, right? Is that the right model? LMS. Maybe I should have brought notes. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Audi RS3 LMS. There we go. I, I, was, I was partially correct. So. You did it. Uh, but also, uh, yet another car will be joining that. Right, Craig? Honda Civic Type R, highly requested, and which uh, those two cars go really well with another piece of content. Right, Kevin? Knock Hill. Knock Hill, which, as I just said, not one, not two, but five different configurations of that track, including the reverse configuration and the rallycross track. So a lot of chances to use that car, uh, use those cars on that track. Uh, Turn one there is a blast, but it is blind. Huh. I mean, you How was that in the front-wheel drive? I haven't driven it uh, yet. They're, they're great. They're absolutely great. Yeah. The cool thing about working on these two cars is it was a complete physics workover as well on the Audi. Uh, so the entire car, uh, the entire class got revamped. Uh, I think they're an absolute blast to drive. Uh, and if you're not, if you're a little tentative about wanting to uh, get out there with real people, uh, they're going to be available on AI as well, right off the, right off the bat. So that's, that's awesome. Nice. So... Uh, the AI group, Nigel, Alex, and Brent, really uh, really did some good work there. So pretty excited about that. Um, another place that you're going to be able to race AI is the new and improved, and when I say new, completely new, Watkins Glen. Only the most requested update track ever in the history of iRacing, partially because we've had it around so long, right? It was one of the first road courses that we added uh, for obvious reasons, right? I mean, pretty much every, ma- every major racing series, either goes or, or has gone there, you know, 
Formula One has raced there. IndyCar, sports cars, everybody races. NASCAR, everybody races there. But to uh, get around to updating it, it looks spectacular. Um, it, it's obviously the same configurations, right? They didn't change the layout, uh, but this is a complete rebuild from the ground up. New so scan. I think, yeah, that new scan really data. Important. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's. Um, People will be impressed. It's like driving a new track, even though it's the same old track. You know, it's a different experience. So that's that's pretty awesome. I think we're going to make a few people happy with that one. I think another thing that's going to make people happy regarding Watkins Glen is the way that we're implementing it. This is not going to require a purchase, a repurchase for those that already own the track. So if you already own the track, it is yours. The new and improved version is just there day one. And if you didn't own the track, well, you're like one of two people on iRacing that didn't probably. <laughs> but, yeah, get it. It's an absolute blast. I was actually driving the Mercedes around it earlier today just to kill, you know, two birds. What was your lap time? Down. Or uh, did you not complete a lap? With uh, on the <laughs> boot configuration, I did it in a minute 16. With chicane? With chicane. Oh, gosh. Chicane was sixth. The bus stop was sixth gear. <laughs> I mean, you're well, at, absolutely <laughs> ripping with DRS coming in. Oh there. man! Don't turn before. Yeah. Uh, don't hold it flat on turning though, because with DRS open, that's a good way to test out the new damage model, which is coming with <laughs> the Mercedes AMG F1 W12 E performance car on day one. Uh, that's as, perfect because as, I will be crashing it a lot, so as, I'll get to enjoy that. So yeah, all three new cars: the Mercedes, the Hyundai, and the. Uh, Honda will release with new damage model. My goal for week 13 is to make a clip that makes it into Alex Horn's not top 10 uh, for the week. I mean, I've seen you drive, so I... uh, (laughs) So it's it's certainly attainable, right? I have full faith in you. (laughs) So, um, and, but, but that's not all. We have... Wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. We also have the Porsche Experience Center, Kevin, which, uh, and you're, those of you that are new to the podcast, absolute fanboy for Porsche over here. Bit uh, of a fan, absolutely. So that's the <laughs> Porsche Experience Center that they build. They build these around the world, and they have several of them. This one's attached to Hockenheim, so it'll be four new configurations available at Hockenheim if you own that track. Uh, if you already owned it, they just get added. If you want to buy the track now, they'll be there. They're, it's a little bit unique. It's not a typical racetrack, so it's not as wide as where you might find. Uh, it's really designed for... Uh, driver experiences uh, that you could do through Porsche. Maybe you're buying a new, you know, new turbo. You get to go and drive one and learn how to drive it on a track. So we'll have it available for time attack only. Uh, it's not really meant for full race fields, that sort of thing. So to, to be fair, we fun. did test it even with like something as small <laughs> as the Skippy or the Formula V, and it's too narrow even to race those. Yeah, it, it's tight because it wasn't built for that. I mean, Correct. it's just it's not the. But we thought it would be a nice addition. Obviously, we have a great uh, relationship with. Porsche, they thought it was a cool idea. You know, we, we scanned it when we scanned Hockenheim. We just didn't have time to, to build it. Uh, I guess that was, when did Hockenheim come out? In June, I think, so March or June. Sounds about right. Uh, so we, sure. we were able to finish it up. Yeah, so it's a nice add-on. Um, I think we're going to run multiple time attacks during week 13, right, Greg? I think you built those. Yep, yep. So so you get to check it out that way. Uh, I think it'll feature some Porsche cars, too. What do you think? I, I think you're going to find the 992 and the GT4 uh, uh in there and it's it's a lot of fun to drive as an experience i I will say that it will challenge you the combinations of corners that they put together really make you uh you have to control the car you have to balance the cars yeah i think one of the ideas behind these experience centers is that they like to showcase obviously their cars but 
all different types of things, straightaways, tight corner sweepers, uh, that all that sort of thing stuff. In the back. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to really showcase what a what a Porsche can do, and this one does it pretty well. So yeah, it's an ab- obviously it'll work with other cars too. I know we're going to get that question. Uh, you can run whatever car you want on it, uh, at least in iRacing. I don't know about the the, re- the real Porsche Experience Center. Yeah, it's uh, that is included as well. Uh, we also have lots of new stuff coming on AI, and I mean there is an absolute ton in this build. You know, our December builds are are are, are absolutely slam packed. If I set here, no way to cover it all in here, right? No. But we do have a story. We should put that in the in the uh, description. Link we, in or, the description below. There you go. We'll see if Chris is paying attention when he puts this together. Right. <laughs> Uh, but we have a lot of stuff coming out on AI. One of the most highly requested uh, pieces of content for AI is ready. It took a, a lot of time, but we're pretty happy with the result. The Delara IR18 IndyCar finally ready to go. And included with that will be Indianapolis. So a, That's well, awesome. Uh, a, a awesome. bunch of other ovals as well. So you're going to have an opportunity to race that car pretty much anywhere. If, if it races there in iRacing, so the AI works, just to be clear, both on super speedways, road courses, whatever. Yes, you can take it to Talladega. For those of oh. you that can't see me right now, my eyes are <laughs> rolled. Yes, no, just, you, just... you can take it to Talladega. Is it recommended that you take it to Why Talladega? wouldn't you want to go to Talladega with it? Uh, we need Nigel <laughs> on this podcast right now. <laughs> the amount of time to get IndyCars to work on obnoxious super speedways. <laughs> yes. It, it Tell me it's work. not fun. Tell me it's not fun. That's a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to test the damage model. All right. Next staff race. IndyCars, Talladega. We're going to have another staff race? Yeah, why not? Yeah. How are you doing on NIMS Staff League? I'm doing all right in the uh, in the, the Porsche series. I, I think I'm third, but I think there's only three or four people racing <laughs> in the series that I picked. Nim. I might be on the podium, though. There you go. Nim Cross has put together a, a Slack channel of this this fairly intricate uh, racing challenge for staff members all across a bunch of different series, and it's gotten a lot of attention, actually. Uh, it's pretty neat. You race whenever you want, just kind of post your points, because uh, it's difficult for us to all to get together when, you know, some of us work in different locations, whatever. So it's pretty neat. You race whenever you want, push, post your points, post see how you stack points. up against. That's fun uh, to say. Post yeah. your points. So I didn't expect to win, but it but it's fun and and gives you a little extra motivation to do you know extra race or two when you when you've got some time. Yeah, the uh, we've been kind of staff rushing that Wednesday time slot of the Lotus Seventy Nine. Oh yeah, that's in like an hour and a half. I don't, I don't know if I'm I did one of those and I and I didn't crash. It, it, I crashed right? most no, of the time. <laughs> Me and Philip Island didn't get along. Oh, that's a tough combo right there. <laughs> it, was, it was tough, but uh, had, you know where I had a lot of fun surprisingly because i was adamantly against it was lime rock homestead oh homestead Homestead. road b okay was oh that was an absolute ton of fun but yeah we've had the staff racing not the whole staff but a a number of staff members racing in that uh 20 gmt time slot on wednesdays and that's that's been a a lot of fun a week before the build probably not going to make it today so anyway yeah but a lot the point of all this is there is a lot coming out on tuesday and we're incredibly excited i i'm i'm looking forward and kevin's gonna roll his eyes this i'm looking forward to seeing all the posts in the forums and all of the screenshots i'm looking forward to cruising through facebook and reddit and seeing i mean there's you know some of the most iconic cars or you know one of the most iconic cars you know ever built is going to come out on iRacing while it's still racing and that's that's pretty freaking cool so yeah 
Anyway, and, and on that note, one of the people that's been, you know, one of the architects of, you know, arguably the most successful Formula One team in the history of Formula One, Mercedes-AMG, James Voles is with us. He joined Kevin and I this morning for a half hour, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure. He's a lot of fun to talk to. He actually stayed and talked to us afterwards for, what, 10 or 15 minutes, which is a lot of fun. He's just super excited. I think the big thing that you'll hear in this interview is how excited he is about what we're putting out and not just this car because once again we're not only building the w12 from the the 2021 series we're going to build the 2022 challenger as well which is the next generation of uh of cars in formula one so without further ado uh, mr james voles all right kevin and i are back with james voles lead engineer for long name here mercedes amg patronus formula one team james thanks for making the time today could you quickly introduce yourself uh, for those that may not be familiar with who you are. Yeah, no problem at all. So I'm the Motorsport Strategy Director uh, for, as you say, the Mercedes long name AMG Patronus Formula One team. There um, we go. <laughs> <laughs> it is, there's, there's a lot to it, I agree. Lots of, lots of great sponsors in there. Well, the reason we have you on the podcast today is we've had in, been involved with a really a, a long-term project with your group on developing the Mercedes W12 within iRacing. Could you tell us a little bit about how that project came about? Yeah, I, I can do. Probably linked in a little bit to the previous question as well is, is why me? Uh, you know, most sports strategy director doesn't really sound like anything that's got iRacing or esports in the title. But um, it, it, I mean, first of all, from my side, I, I've personally had an interest in, in esports um, in terms of sim racing, et cetera, for a long, long period of time, d- dating back at least 12, 13 years ago. Uh, different platform to iRacing in all truthfulness back then for obvious reasons. But um, it's um, what what fascinated me is that real life motorsport produces this, this adrenaline flow that's very difficult to get elsewhere, but actually the, the world of sim racing and i would definitely say on the platform of iRacing you can get somewhere close to it because you you do have that you feel the pressure that's involved in it of course it's not quite the same thing but it is a very very cost effective way of getting people from a number of different countries to race together in the space of minutes and frankly i think that's got huge potential massive potential not just today but in the next five ten years so my background is that I look after drivers uh, within our organization, so young drivers, simulator drivers, um, uh, a little bit stemming into Formula E as well, the other motorsport businesses, thus the motorsport that's in my title, um, a little bit into GT as well. So a little bit throughout the range of what Mercedes have. And I'm fortunate because Mercedes is such a powerhouse or a brand that we do have racing in a number of series across the world. It's rare that you have a weekend where we're not racing in something somewhere. DTM, Formula E, GT3, you name it, it's there. Um, so I work very, very closely with the drivers and including on our simulator, what we call our driver and loop, which obviously a little bit different to what most people have as a home setup, <laughs> a lot more expensive. But, um, you know, that that tool these days really is something that we use to find performance at the track. And especially on these new circuits um, that are coming up towards the back end of the year, Qatar, Saudi, and even Abu Dhabi, people may not think of it as a different circuit, but my words, I think you'll find it's about 10 seconds faster, if not more, because it is completely changed in layout. And that requires simulation, simulators, and, and driver and loop. My role sort of over the years, I've been 20 years with 
with Mercedes, but in a different role. We used to be called a different team name. We used to be called Honda, and, and then we were born GP, which was a one-year standout where we won the championship. But it's really the same organization that transformed into Mercedes in 2010. But across those years, I've held a number of roles on top of just the strategy that's in there. And as I say, the one that brought me together with the drivers was very much the world of simulation, and that's where my passion came from. If we now wind forward to last year, so we, we were at Melbourne, obviously COVID really um, had a huge breakout. We were out there with the teams and um, uh, we, we came straight back to the UK. And when we did come back to the UK, we were locked, locked down as much as the world was as well. And I, I'm just not someone that could sit still. I, I really can't do it. I've tried, I tried for literally, I think about three days. And then I thought, no, this is, this is not for me. And so we started thinking, what else can we do within the scope of what we've got? And, and the clear one that came out of it is the world of esports. So obviously there was a, a Formula One platform that came forward. There was a virtual Grand Prix, and that was of hard interest to me. But actually my interest was, since I had uh, not just myself, but a number of others where we had a lot of time, why don't we actually start exploring this space properly? What are the market leaders in hardware? What's the market leaders in software? What is the best tools out there to get people together online? And where do I think the growth will be over the next 12, 24, and 48 months? And the reason for this podcast should hopefully be why the clarity that came out of it. Um, iRacing has a platform that is easy to use. You can get people up and running on it in, in minutes after they've downloaded. It really is that simple to set up a server and get, uh, in, in my case, I race with a number of ex-Formula One and GT races and current GT races. We race every Tuesday night, but you can get them together in the space of minutes. And it's it's that good a platform. And it doesn't matter what car or combo you're doing. There's always a barrel of laughs or a number of videos that come out the back end of it. So <laughs> that that's what really brought me into it. And, and uh, what we really explored in that space is we realized that after testing pretty much every iRacing car and every circuit, we, we did run through most of them in, in fairness most of what we're used to so not so much in the nescar and indycar world but certainly a lot in the single-seater gt world and circuits that we have familiarity of what became abundantly clear was that there was space in there for um our uh, our formula one model i, I think it was uh, an entity that looked like i think it could be fun to add into that environment more so it just felt like it's a space that was missing yeah no and it it, it definitely uh it's definitely something we're uh, happy to, to use your car to uh, to fill that void. Uh, I have to I have to ask off the cuff though. Tuesday nights, what do you guys race? What, what what's your go-to uh, it's, for it's some, fun? It's a mixture of things. So um, the the clear thing is this: basically, there's an organizer who's uh, who's very very good at this. A company that, that also does production of simulators as well. They're very good, but we don't know what the combo is until the server is up so fundamentally it prohibits others from practicing anything and it it could be all sorts for example indycar at detroit was the the combination that took place um just a few days ago unfortunately i wasn't in the uk to participate but but we've done mazda mx5 around alton park to um skip barbers around and around barbara as you would imagine to radicals around spa you name it it's been done um, the key thing is finding a car that works well with a setup that works well and a very short space of time to make sure that professional racing drivers who, but they call themselves busy, but let's be completely honest, they're at home most of the time drinking cappuccino, don't have uh, a tremendous amount of practice relative to- I, I think our, we're gonna have uh, to adopt that rule to the staff race that we run because we have a similar problem. We have some of our guys that run the sim all day long and, and they just lap us, the rest of us, right? So if they get no yeah, practice, maybe I could stand the same lap as them. Some of the guys that you that, worked with on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah there's a whole format behind it but i i tell you what it's it's um as entertainment value it's fantastic you won't find a better two hours use of your time in an evening <laughs> all right well let's get into the into the development of the w12 within iRacing. um for this car model specifically and we can also revert back to maybe some of the maybe the first question actually is where did you get your feet wet within iRacing? Because you've been talking for a while now. This has not just been the W12. You guys have, there's been a lot of back and forth, right? Absolutely. I mean, what, what we were looking at is, um, so our first interaction actually wasn't around the W12. Our first interaction was about how can we improve uh, the time modeling, the car modeling that's in, in iRacing. So it was fun and fascinating, but I had access to, I still do, 30 of some of the world's best racing drivers race alongside me. And, and that's just the group I know. I, I know many, many more that are not forming a part of that group that are different to it. And that's the wealth of feedback, including current races in GT cars. In fact, most of the cars that we have on there, including IndyCar, were participating. And the first step of our interaction really together was how can we use that feedback to, to perhaps help guide some of the things that may be slightly different to how they're, they're modeling night racing? Because one thing... I personally crave, and we'll go through it hopefully in, in the part of this podcast, is it is a very difficult balance between realism and something that's usable within in the world of simulation. And how, do you, how do you keep it level with someone that may or may not have a hand clutch or not have a hand clutch or, in the case of RX models, handbrakes or whatever you may, may choose to have? And how do you keep it equal between someone with 300 pounds worth of $300, $500 worth of kit to, you know, nowadays, Truthfully, uh, $20,000, $30,000 worth of kit. That's the high-end kit. And um, so there's always an interesting medium. But what became clear out of it was there was some small, low-hanging fruit on some feedback we could provide that I think would, would help. And um, what was what was impressive is that um, immediately uh, we had meetings together and the improvements could be found. And, and that's that was one of the reactivities that I really liked out of it, you know, from response, from initial conversation to something really being out there that that was a significant step was weeks um and and that impressed me with that relationship that clearly showed me that um we can have a strong relationship going forward and uh, for what it's worth those changes made everything a little bit more realistic but actually more fun as well it, it, it meant you could exploit the package in a good way and, and if i just go into that a little bit more if I go through one of the items, I don't mind talking about it, track limits. I mean, that was a strong discussion between between all of us, but it was a tricky one because you're on servers with people that only find the track limits by repeating the same maneuver over again and finding where that limit lies. And uh, we went into some quite deep discussions about how to do it, how to do it in a way that doesn't hinder the, the, the person that can only have an hour or two worth of playing relative to someone that's going to go around there and do 10,000 laps. And it is tricky. Uh, and that borderline between realism. What you clearly find in the world of not just iRacing, but any, any simulation platform is that there will be people that are able to push things just much, much further than everyone else. They'll be able to push a car setup that enables them to get a little bit more lap time out of it, that most of us will get in and be backwards at turn one, turn two, and probably all turns, in fact, for that matter. Um, it's a constant how do you discussion. Push it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do you push things such that there is an enjoyment in racing either in a, a public online lobby or in uh, in a world where you just put, in, in the case of some discussions we're having with professional drivers, some of the track limits were just a little bit wrong compared to where you would run the car and some of them were too easy. So it was more about bringing that feedback to yourselves and seeing if we could improve the product. So at the time, it wasn't about the commercialization 
or bring the W12 really to to iRacing. It was more about how how this product, which is already a great product, can move forward. And um, that's how the, the relationship really started. Yeah, something I noticed early on was that the feedback that we were getting was, it was clear that uh, obviously you're a world-renowned race team and, and have amazing drivers and engineers, but you understood that there are differences in, in sim racing in, in this space. So the feedback was applicable. It was something we could do something with, and it made sense in our space, right? which is kind of next to your space, right? So I thought it was, from the very beginning, it was it was clear that you guys understood what we were trying to do, and the feedback was fantastic. So let's, let's move on to uh, the, the W12 itself. Now, how much, as, as you've, you know, develop the relationships and the, the data exchange and, you know, information exchange with our engineers here at iRacing. How much data was your group able to provide for the car and how was the validation process throughout that development? I, I mean, the, the first thing is we've used um, drivers that are driving. The reason why I brought up the, the driver and the, the full-on simulator is that they, those same drivers, the same ones that develop our car, the same car drivers that have gone on to lead to wins this year and performance this year, are the ones also helping um, develop really where the W12 is in iRacing. So I, I think that's the fundamental thing. We have, we've made sure that we've actually used resources to, to bring this W12 to the best level we can. And the, the feedback is in correspondence to what we are getting in a much, much more complicated driver and loop simulator. So we're trying to replicate as best as possible the car. And we haven't just done that through driver feedback. We're a data-driven organization. So everything we're doing is basically we're spitting data out of the, the real car. Just to give you an idea that there's something akin to over 30,000 channels of data out of that car. Now, clearly, not all those are applicable, but the driver controls, the speed, the how the electronic systems in the car are working, et cetera, et cetera, that is. And that's what we've used as a baseline to make sure that what we're producing in iRacing is somewhat close for the same given track temperature, et cetera, for a circuit to what we are seeing in real life. Uh, and that was important to us. What we really wanted is people to get a feel of, of what it really is like in a W12. And so that the, the, the comments from some of our simulator drivers were, yes, this is exactly how it feels. And what was interesting was the, not the fight, I'm not going to call it that, but, um, you know, the, the diehard sim racers that are used to um, uh, working with a car setup where you have to make it incredibly nervous and move the brake, brake bias far, far rearwards to get a lap time out of it. We were sort of saying, no, no, that's that's not how it is at all. Here's how it needs to be. Live with the understeer. That's that's what these cars are like. Live with their faults, but they're incredibly powerful. They're the fastest cars in the world. And it was this sort of uh, merging of the two environments. That's why I went back to, there was always a line between realism and sim racing to a certain extent. And what we've tried to do here is give you a feel at least for what it's like inside our simulator and what it's like inside the car by using real data and real driver feedback continuously throughout um, the months that we've been developing this together. So that, that was the first part. And I think we've ended up pretty close on, on many of these things, such that even on one overlay that I, I posted together, we were able to see that it was very difficult to see which car was which uh, at a given circuit. Um, now, that's not always going to be the case, as everyone's aware. It depends on wind conditions, track conditions, grip, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, um, with a limited amount of time, with a limited amount of knowledge, really, to a certain extent on how our car is, we gave you details within as much as we could within the time frame we had available, but uh, we were able to to get somewhere close with um, 
the, the car that everyone will have the experience of driving hopefully shortly. Yeah, really, really looking forward to uh, to dropping that soon. Uh, who are some of the people from Mercedes AMG that were, were involved with the development outside of yourself? Uh, I know Anthony Davidson was uh, in the sim a fair amount. That's right. Yeah, so Ant is, is the sim driver, let's say. If you have to name a sim driver for Mercedes, it's Ant. But he gets he gets the world. So obviously he, he's driven the, 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 the actual car recently. Um, he drives a lot of a car that's two years old but the, the point is he's there or thereabouts he's an active racer now retiring this year in lmp2 so he knows how to do this and for 20 odd years i've been working with Ant. um and what he's fantastic at is translating the world of simulation to real and backwards and forwards and where the limitations are and he's able to immediately pull your attention to the key bits that are different so he's in our sim more than anyone else and he is the reference on this and he's been working diligently day and night I think the first time that you you gave us a release, in fact, um, after the setup time, and was on it nearly continuously for four days in a row without break, and and that's what I mean. It's just really illustrating the development that you have today is around that hard work. So, Anthony Davidson, um, we also, as a Formula One team, have our own esports entity fundamentally. So we've got. Um, well, we're, we're privileged. We we have a tremendous amount of drivers behind us. So. We have Jarno and Danny, who are both actively competing in the F1 championship at the moment, but they've also been driving the iRacing model, as has Bono Ruiz, who is also another, I mean, multiple winner in a number of series within the world of um, uh, esports. And all of them have been using the model in a different way. And it was interesting to see how they exploited it in different ways. You have Anthony that approaches it like a racing driver. So he's not trying to... Um, exploit the package if you like he's trying to drive it like a real Formula 1 car and then you've got Bono who's probably the complete other end of the spectrum and his job is just to extract everything he can from it it doesn't matter if he's using the throttles brake etc he will exploit it and um, I'm glad we did because it just brought up that again we want to make a package as real as possible without really pushing the, the setup into a, an odd place a place we wouldn't run it as a Formula 1 team in order to extract performance and I think I think we got there as a result of it. So our esports team itself, uh, we have a number of members. There's uh, Michael Sansoni, who's actually also a trackside race team member that looks after tires, but again, a critical part of our esports program. Um, Ollie, Sam, and Alex are all, all key members that, again, in the background, have been diligently working through data to make sure that what we're doing isn't going wrong at any step of the way. So uh, a, a fairly significant team size, I would say, for this model. And then on top of that, of course, that's that's just the exploitation of the package. What we've also been doing in the background is making sure that we have uh, our wider team. And, and bear in mind that perhaps for those that, that don't know, a Formula One team is, is close to 900 people on the chassis side. And there's something similar for the power unit side. These are massive organizations and they have contributed, not, not everyone, but we have individuals from that that have helped with the bodywork, with getting you information that you need to know on vehicle dynamics. And uh, many, many people have contributed towards the package that we have as a final outcome. Yeah, the uh, the Discord server the, is uh, it's pretty entertaining to see the back and forth going between your group and then our group of engineers. It's uh, and, and the way that, you know, what started as a just strictly professional. And now, that the, you know, after a couple of months, the joke started coming in and everybody, you know, really was getting you could tell getting excited because we were getting closer and closer and closer. And now we're, you know, kind of there. It's, uh, I guess, almost go time. Hopefully. So from. I know we're we're getting kind of short on time. I have a couple of I, I think fairly 
fairly innocuous questions here. The first one is, and you've kind of touched on this, but what can members expect out of the, the handling characteristics of the car? There's not that many people that have driven a Formula One car <laughs> in real life. You know, and everybody True. has their opinion of, well, it's going to be like this or it's going to be like this. You know, what is what do you think people should expect when they get in the car? What is going to be some of the striking characteristics? The, the, the first is you won't believe the amount of downforce that these cars produce. You, you won't believe the speed that you can carry through some corners. Um, it, let's take Barcelona as a track, uh, Barcelona GP. Um, it, it, the reason why I bring that up is that that's pretty much a stable mate of Formula 1 we go there testing most years. Turn 3 and Turn 9, they're hard corners. I, I, I know I've, I've personally driven around there in a GT3, GT4 as well. Um, they're not flat. Those are difficult, difficult corners where you've got to find the balance, get car balance and come on throttle and, and use the track width. They're flat in a Formula 1 car. They're pretty much a straight. So you, you get out of turn one and everything else from then onwards is full throttle all the way up to turn four. Same with turn nine. You, you come out of turn seven, that's flat. To give you another idea, Pouin in uh, Spa, uh, short, that's flat in a Formula One car. Um, so out of all of those, you have this beast of a car that's producing downforce in a way that is just unbelievable relative to anything else that you can ever experience. And that's the first thing I hope really hits people square in the face which is wow these cars are quick they are they are doing things that you just won't believe around corners the second thing is that i hope at least comes across to to people is that the, the first exploitation of the package actually isn't as difficult as people may think but the subtleties of picking up the final tenths that's where the difficulty comes using really the diffs to your advantage the brake balance to your advantage using um all the tools that are available to the driver and what we've tried to do within the iRacing model is, is minimize those down to something reasonable we don't the way car setups currently work in real life is we turn up with a fairly good setup and we we tune it ever so slightly and that's where we put the car but actually there's a small amount of exploitation there but a lot of it is in you the driving style and the electronic systems and that's what we try to recreate albeit in a controlled way within iRacing as well. So I'm hoping the first, second thing they get out of it is that, you know, that the getting a lap time out of it, it's not that difficult. Getting the last second is tremendously difficult. And, and that's where the joy really comes into it as well. All right. Last thing I've got here is, is, you know, just putting a bow on it. How did, how did we do as a collaboration? How accurate is this car? It, it the best, Summary of it is it was in the Discord channel, but uh, the first time I did an overlay um, from, I believe it was Monza, uh, from memory, uh, all the car speeds were within a kilometer an hour uh, for ISO conditions. So admittedly, we, we had the track temperature cold in Monza, a little bit cold than we really did, but for what we wanted, it was fine. And that's incredible because what the world probably doesn't realize is you don't have access to our simulation tools. You don't have access to the root core physics that we have um, that actually are embedded inside our car. We've given you some broad spectrum ideas and some car data. And to, to get that close is incredible. There's there's areas that I think we all agree need need steps. We've still got to work together on tires because Formula One tires are very unique in their properties and how they behave. But these are details. But the fact is that where I racing was in terms of production of a vehicle that is very close such a sim driver gets into it and says wow this is pretty good off the bat but here's what we can do to improve it is incredible in my opinion um i mean again i go back to formula one teams are 
chassis side, 900 people. Now, all of all of those aren't working on the vehicle dynamics model, but you do have to bear in mind that 25, 30 people are working on physics model in the background to make sure we have a full-scale driving loop. And that's not what was you know, available to you. And um, so to answer your question, good. And uh, I hope this is the start of a long relationship. Well, we as have, do we. As do we. We've already announced that we're going to be working with you, with your group moving forward. We're going to build the next year's car uh, at a date uh, later later to be announced. We can get into that at another time. Uh, I know we are, like I said, running out of time. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, James Voles, Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One team, has been our, I would say, project liaison for this uh, this entire. Uh, this entire Mercedes project that we're so excited to release very soon on iRacing. And, and James, thank you very much. That for was your fantastic. Time. <laughs> Good luck the rest of the season. We are watching closer than usual, I would say. And uh, I'm yeah, pleased. Wish you guys the best. Really do. Ever, Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. All right. Cheers. All right. Once again, that is uh, Mercedes AMG engineer James Voles. An absolute privilege to sit down and talk with him this morning. I uh, really enjoyed that. Looking forward to an, another opportunity to do it uh, coming uh, when it comes time for the 2022 car. So moving on, Kevin, what is interesting about Build Week? What's interesting? Yeah. It's the 13th week. We have all kinds of fun series. That's interesting. Yes, all kinds of fun series. So, of course, you're going to be able to try the new content. Uh, the Mercedes W12 will be in the, the shiny new shakedown. Uh, the Touring Car Challenge uh, is going to feature all three of the Touring Cars. So you have the Audi, the Honda, and the Hyundai. Uh, we have a, you know, a couple other things. We're bringing back the Rookie Legends car uh, for Week 13. That's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the big things that we've been, been promoting over the last week is the Winter iRacing NASCAR Series, which uh, uses the NIS time slots that run typically throughout the year. We're going to run 10 weeks of that through the winter using the 87 cars, the Monte Carlo, and the Ford Thunderbird. Uh, we've got open and fixed time slots, nine time slots a week total. Should be a ton of fun. That actually kicks off tonight, even though this podcast isn't going out till next Monday. <laughs> mm-hmm. But whatever. That's all right. We have some other fun stuff. Uh, week 13 ridiculousness, because who doesn't like driving a Formula V, a Radical, and an HPD at this, you know, in multi-class on the same That's track? Like a regular club race, right? Yeah. You just, yeah. Closing rates. Uh, we have a couple other goofy ones. The tin top tussle will be the Arca, the truck, and the next gen car on super speedways multi class. Oh gosh! That you're gonna have some uh, top ten, not top ten videos in there. Uh, week thirteen identity crisis GT3 cars on short ovals. I like it. I and like actually it. one at Martinsville. So like how really short? short? I was gonna say okay, Martinsville short. Martinsville okay. all the way up to Charlotte. No super speedways because you're just on the chip. So. Okay. We didn't do a lot of BOP work for this series. I <laughs> As in zero, right? <laughs> and then uh, the uh, the standard Week 13 Kevin series, uh, the iRacing Deutsch Drifters featuring the Porsche 991 and the Porsche 992 together on Tough cars. Yep. Nice. So that nice. will be a lot of fun. We have other stuff in there as well. A lot of good times. And we'll have the, the time attacks we spoke of earlier with the Porsche Experience Center uh, rotating yeah. through. With also the- worth noting, not during week 13, but shortly after, iRacing Chili Bowl is coming up. iRacing Chili Bowl. How could we forget, right? So I think it's December 18th, if I have my date right. Sounds so uh, right. check out the special events page. Uh, and if you're into racing those cars. There's a chance. We also have the 2022 special events calendar has been released. We are bringing back the iRacing Roar <laughs> before the 24. Uh, 
that will be, I believe, the second week in January. That is the first event on the special event calendar, a two-hour and 40-minute race, solo endurance. For all of you that at me in the forums, we brought <laughs> it back. Uh, it's, that's going to have the GT4s, the touring cars, and we put in the Miata because that was uh, we included it during the MS Society charity event, and it was a lot of fun. So we brought it back. And why time. not? Why, why not? not? I mean, yeah, why right. not? So that'll be a lot of fun. Looking Makes it really that. approachable. That's a free car, so, you know. And it's uh, the week before the Daytona 24 on iRacing, which will be, as usual, the... We're going to have to put together a staff team again. Yeah. Well, I think probably multiples. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of, lot of good racing coming down the pipe. So um, I just blanked. Well, I guess that's probably the end of the podcast then. I guess that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the iRacing Downshift. There it is, Chris. You can edit that or not. I don't even care. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else. Chris puts these things while he's swearing at us for messing up so many times and making him edit. For Kevin Bobbitt and the missing Chris Leone, I am Greg West, and we will see you at the track. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Status is important to all of us. Particularly, your HIV status can influence your health and well-being. Do you know your status? Surge GNR can help with free HIV testing, at-home testing, condoms by mail subscriptions, and prescriptions for medications that can protect you from contracting HIV, known as PrEP. Stay healthy, protected, and prepared, no matter the status of your relationship. Learn more at SurgeGNR.com. Live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. For I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and four hours from the closest professional sports team on the banks of the Mississippi River, it's the Friedman Fantasy Football Show with Matthew Friedman. It's Matt Friedman, the Oracle. Who's the Oracle? He's a fantasy football genius, okay? No wife, no job, just pure football knowledge. He just licked a hot dog. And now, your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. The Oracle. It'd be good if I could say my name. It's, what can I say? It's Monday, and it's late in the afternoon. I am Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to my fantasy football show, brought to you by Best TV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season-long and daily fantasy and sports betting content that you need including my fantasy football write-ups and all my NFL size totals and player props. Use the highly original promo code Freedman for 20% off of your FTN subscription. That is Freedman for 20% off at FTN. Thanks for checking out the show. Subscribe to the best TV channel on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. All right, it is the week 14 waiver, <laughs> waiver wire show. Waivers, 
this week. It's horrible. Waivers are horrible this week. Producer Tom, Thomas Viola, Psychic on the Controls, Connor Pasta, Titan of Tomato Sauce, Bully Joel Chunky, and Long Suffering Jess fan. Tom, waivers. I, I mean, you put the outline together. This is a disgusting mess of non-entities that we are talking about on today's show. Yeah, th- th- there's a couple guys that are worth picking up if because their their ownership is about 50% and that so you know coin flip maybe they're available in your league most likely if you're listening to this show and you're trying to really take your league seriously I I, I doubt most of them are going to be available unfortunately uh, it's a great way to start off the show we might not be able to help you much here but this is the play you're we're coming up on the playoffs now and the biggest piece of advice that we can really offer to anyone at this point is just look at matchups for the next couple of weeks, see who maybe has a favorable schedule and is available. And if you want to take a shot on someone, take a shot on someone. But the reality is you're, if you're in the playoffs, your team probably got you this far and a waiver wire pickup this week, isn't going to be a league winner for you. Yes. Uh, highly encouraging words there, Tom, let's get into the show. Indeed. Let's start off with running backs here. Rashad Penny's the first man up. The Seahawks offense is actually getting back to normal. Russell Wilson's finger looks like it's healing up. They played very well against San Francisco, and that should mean the passing game gets more potent. It opens up some more rushing lanes for Penny, who played 40% of the snaps, getting 10 carries yesterday, but he only had 50 total yards, 36 on the ground and another 24 on a reception. Peterson's also going to vulture touchdown carries from him, as we saw this week. So, yeah. What Rashad Penny has going for him is that he is not Adrian Peterson. Um, the thing that he doesn't have going for him also is that he's not Adrian Peterson. Uh, it's, I think, a good thing that we saw him get the 40% snaps, uh, had 10 carries. All of that is positive. We did see in Tennessee Adrian Peterson underperform. He continued to underperform. Potentially, Seattle might get tired of like 1.9 yards per carry and maybe they just cut Adrian Peterson within a week or two. We've already seen that happen once this year. So it could happen again, leaving potentially more opportunities for Rashad Penny. I do believe that if there is a a, a player in this backfield who distinguishes himself, and we saw that with Alex Collins earlier this year, then that guy will will win the job, get more of the workload. That could happen with Rashad Penny, that said. I'm I'm skeptical. Yep. The next guy up is Chuba Hubbard, one of my favorite names in the league, and also one of the guys that you really should be targeting if you need extra running back help, maybe a guy that's going to be on your depth spot. We talked about him last week, and the Panthers had a bye, so he wasn't one of the main targeted players, but he's going to be the lead backfield for the Panthers for the rest of the season with McCaffrey out, and they just fired their offensive coordinator, so maybe – there's a little bit of a late season spark for the Panthers. Look, running backs are rare and he's a starting running back. Yeah. I would be surprised if Hubbard is in is on waivers is available in the majority of pretty active leagues. But you know, if you're in a league where people aren't really paying attention or, you know, someone had Hubbard, but was in a, a really tough bye week situation and had to drop him shallow league, whatever it is, then I think he should be prioritized because he is a starting running back. We have seen him get significant usage when he has been playing in place of Christian McCaffrey. And yeah, maybe that offense is a little bit better with Joe Brady. It's interesting. The reason specifically noted 
for uh, like why is one of the reasons why Brady was fired was that Matt Rule, the head coach, wanted a more balanced offense. He wanted them to run the ball more. And in this past game, uh, they ran the ball, I think, only like 16 times, right? We could see them lean more into the running game, which should benefit Hubbard. The problem is Cam Newton, you know, is he the starter? Is he not the starter? We really kind of, I'm assuming Newton will start more games if he does. Um, he's probably going to vulture some goal line touches. If he doesn't, who is going to be the starter? And might that person hold the offense back more than Cam Newton was? I don't know. The offense is a little bit of a mess, but we are talking about a running back who has some talent and could have 15 to 20 touches per game. That makes him a mandatory guy to roster. And two other guys that are kind of doing the same thing. It's a weird running back committee in t- in Tennessee right now, mostly because of the fact that, you know, you're replacing a very, very key player in Derrick Henry, and they still haven't quite figured out how. But Dontrell Hilliard and Deonta Foreman, they both had 100 yards in their last game two weeks ago. They had the bye week this week. Same deal as Chuba Hubbard. We've talked about him before. They're getting decent usage, especially with Tennessee dealing with wide receiver injury issues. Coming off the bye week here, probably worth an ad if you need him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Hubbard, if you have him, you are likely starting him as a flex player. It's the same situation with Foreman and Hilliard. Uh, Foreman, I don't think he's as explosive as Hilliard is, but he's doing all right on the ground and he's getting significant usage because Tennessee is running the ball so much. And Hilliard, is being used in a three down a three down skill set. Like he has it. And so he is getting the ball as a receiver. They're giving him enough usage as a runner. And he's looking pretty good doing it. There actually might be enough opportunity within that Tennessee backfield for both guys to be flexible. So if they're available, they should be prioritized. And if you have one of them, you're probably starting them. Like you probably don't have three running backs who are all better than Foreman or Hilliard. Maybe you do. Hopefully you're in a situation where you don't have to start one of these guys. And if that's the case, great. They should still be added for depth because they are good depth pieces right now. At wide receiver, the number one guy to target really it's Van Jefferson, just like last week and just like the week before he's getting the usage. He is the number three guy in a Rams offense that loves to throw the football and here we go. 98% of snaps. 98%. Yeah. Six catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. He is highly startable in any league. Yeah, he has been used prolifically since the Robert Woods injury. Uh, 98% snaps uh, two weeks ago. 95% snaps uh, the, the game before that. Only 78% of snaps last week, but that came in a 37-7 to blowout where a lot of players at the end were resting. When the snaps were important, he was out there getting used. He had eight targets, nine targets the game before that, seven, seven, six, seven targets all in the games before that. He is getting regular usage within that offense. And of course, touchdowns and back-to-back games. I mean, he's uh, he's if he's not a top 30 wide receiver, he is very close to it. And he should be started 
in the super majority of leagues that are out there. So definitely needs to be rostered. The next wide receiver up, Devontae Parker. He didn't really have a big game. Five targets, caught him off for 62 yards. He's behind Waddle and Gasecki in the pecking order in Miami. But he's a talented receiver who's now back from injury. And he's gonna he's he's rounding into form and he's getting some decent volume. Yeah, I mean, he's uh he's an upside play. Like we know the talent that he has. He didn't start last week. Um, you know, but he did play 71% of the snaps. That's respectable. He had only five targets, but in all of the games before that, you know, he's played five games this year before this past week, seven, nine, seven, nine, and 11 targets. Like that's pretty good. He is probably not going to be the true number one wide receiver within that offense. That will be Jalen Waddle, who is getting like actual wide receiver one usage, but he might challenge Gasicki as the number two receiving option for the Dolphins. In his first five games, he had 8.6 targets per game. You know, and last week he was really kind of being eased into the offense. It was a game the Dolphins won 20 to nine. They they weren't really passing aggressively last week. If they get into a situation where they need to throw the ball more, Devontae Parker becomes more interesting. So I do think that there is uh, some upside here with Parker. If you have him, maybe you're not starting him right away, but he is certainly quality depth. He should be rostered everywhere. Next up is Russell Gage. We've talked about him so many times, I feel like, over the course of the season. He was the number two in Atlanta. Then Cordero Patterson steps up and becomes really a target monster. Kyle Pitts has been a target monster. And then you also, of course, had Calvin Ridley but he's been MIA for several weeks now. Gage is technically the wide receiver one in that offense. Cordell Patterson is technically a running back, so technically speaking, he's the top wide receiver. However, he is actually now getting volume. He had 12 targets that he caught for 11 catches and 130 yards this week. He's not the top option in their attack, but the nice thing is defenses aren't focused on him because they're focused on Pitts and Patterson, and it's giving him some open opportunities. He actually looked pretty good last week. Yeah, I mean, 12 targets, that is, uh, I mean, that's elite usage. That's um, like Deontay Johnson type of target volume, uh, like Devontae Adams type of target volume, Calvin Ridley type of target volume. Um, I mean, I doubt we see him get double-digit targets on a consistent basis from this point forward. But it does speak to, I guess, the ceiling that he has. I really wasn't expecting this, but had seven targets, eight targets the two weeks before that. He is starting to be used on a more consistent basis as the number one receiver within that offense. He does, he does scare me in that I don't think he's that talented of a player. And he does have these weeks. We saw it in week 10. He had three targets, zero receptions. Two weeks before that, had a 68% snap rate. So he was on the field, had literally zero targets. And week two, had just two targets. I mean, he's he's a guy who has a, a floor that increasingly is getting higher. There's just some instability built into that floor. So he obviously should be rostered. I think if you are pretty thin at the position you can feel 
somewhat confident starting him as a wide receiver three or a flex. You just have to know that <laughs> in any given week, he could massively disappoint you in part because of the offense that he's in and in part because of the skill level that he has. But with target volume, like what we've seen recently, uh, you could do a lot worse than starting him in your flex. And a late round addition to the waiver wire here, Jalen Guyton, because apparently Keenan Allen is now on the COVID list. So it looks like there will be a spot opening up in this receiver core for the chargers. And Guyton looks to be the man to fill that. Tom, come back on the screen. Tom, back on the screen. Put put your hands up so I can see you're not using your keyboard. Okay. How do you spell Jalen Guyton? I, the, the spelling that I have for it down is G-A-I-T-A-N. That's interesting. How far off am I? You got the first letter and the last letter. And you got the T. Other than that, you're you're wrong. Anyway, uh, so we're yeah. I, I I am completely taking it. It's it's, I, it's totally the European the soccer spelling because there is a player named Nicholas Guyton, and <laughs> so that's just how I that, that's how I just default to it being spelled because I was like, well, that's how they spell it. Is it is it phonetic? Is it just Guyton like G U Y T O N? Absolutely. Yep. I overthought this one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jalen Guyton, what to say about him? He has these games every once in a while where he just goes off. And we saw that last week. Uh, it's not as if he had great target volume, just four targets, but he turned that into 90 yards and a touchdown. And he does occasionally get a carry, you know, like they do use him in that way. Uh, for the season, I believe he has six carries. 33 yards on those six carries. Like that's not bad. Uh, and he is out there on a fairly regular basis. You know, when they're not using two, uh, two tight end sets for the chargers, he is the third wide receiver on the field. And so with Keenan Allen out, uh, presumably going to miss this next game in the COVID protocols, maybe he's able to return, but let's assume that he's going to be out. Um, Guyton, is the next guy in line is the number two wide receiver and in an offense that, uh, you know, does throw the ball with fair frequency. We could see Guyton get, let's say six to eight targets. Like that's not nothing. So probably someone who should be picked up. And because of his, um, his downfield playmaking ability, he does have something of a, a flyer type of ceiling where if you are desperate looking for a guy who maybe could break a big play. He's someone you could put in your lineup. Speaking of guys who could maybe break a big play and that you should put in your lineup, quarterback for the week is once again going to be Taysom Hill. He threw four picks against the Cowboys on Thursday, but he also ran for 101 yards. Good for 24 fantasy points in a standard league. Now, is he going to run for 101 yards every week? Probably not but he's also probably not going to throw four picks every week. So he's still a guy that's worth having on your team, especially because guess who they play this week, Matt? Uh, the Jets, your Jets. Yep, the Jets, the performance art Jets, who cannot <laughs> stop. Their paper mache defense cannot stop a nosebleed. I, 
I have no doubt that even though the quarterback level is taking a step down from elite to just incredibly awesome from Gardner Minshew to Taysom Hill, they will still get shredded. Yeah, Tom, by the way, if we're using the Seinfeld pronunciation, which obviously is the way that we do it on the show, it's Papier-Mâché, okay? Papier-Mâché. Um, yes, they do have a Papier-Mâché defense. And uh, Taysom Hill, I mean, obviously, you don't project 101 yards rushing. But what else is this guy going to do? He can't throw the ball all that well. It makes sense for him to be running the ball. But maybe he actually does throw a little bit better this game because he is going against one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Fantastic matchup for him. And even when he doesn't play well with his rushing ability, he still has a pretty reasonable chance of putting up 20 fantasy points each week. Great matchup for Taysom Hill. If you have him, you are starting him. And at tight end, it's back to Ricky Seals-Jones, our favorite backup. Logan Thomas, most likely out for the season. We hope that he gets better quickly, but he's got a knee injury. Ricky Seals-Jones slots right back into that spot. Really sad for uh, Logan Thomas uh, with the knee injury. Ricky Seals-Jones was out, coming back in. He's the one-for-one replacement. You know, we saw him play 99% of the snaps in his first game as the, uh, the starter in place of Logan Thomas. Every game after that, uh, 100% of the snaps, except for week 10 when he suffered an injury. But I, I mean, he is the one-for-one Logan Thomas replacement. He will be out there every snap. He's not much of a run, uh, not much of a pass blocker. So uh, when Taylor Heineke drops back, it's not as if they're going to keep Ricky Sills-Jones in to be blocking. He's going to be running a route on pretty close to 100% of Taylor Heineke's dropbacks, which gives him a pretty nice floor. Um, I mean, nine targets, six, seven, four targets in his four full games. Uh, yeah, he... He should be out there on waivers because people probably dropped him. If you need a tight end, you're getting a uh, a low-end tight end one, which at this point is actually pretty valuable. And that is going to do it. Those are our offerings on the waiver wire this week, Matt. It's a tough one. Next week, we're going to try and just look at some guys who have some matchups. It's going to be more of a focus on big play potential, someone who could surprise and come out with one of those games. But at this point, you're gearing up for the playoffs. We wish you the best of luck, but you're not going to really find the league winner on waivers right now in most cases. Almost, almost certainly. Although I, I got to say, I do actually really like Ricky Souls Jones as someone to pick up, pick up this week. Yeah, that's, that's a big pickup. Yeah. All right. Where can people find all the great content you're putting out each and every day, Matt? You can find all the work at FTN. On Friday, I publish the Fantasy Football Breakdown. On Thursday, the Best Bets article. On Tuesday, the Fantasy Football Rankings, which I update on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then all throughout the week in the FTN Bets Tracker, I'm putting in my NFL side totals and player props. And on Twitter, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app, and on FTN, you can see daily episodes of the Freeman Fantasy Football Show and the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. And always use the highly original promo code FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. All right, that is the show. You can find me and Tommy B on Twitter at Matt F. Oracle and TV at work. Thanks for joining us and see you next episode. 
Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. Have you read your homeowner's insurance policy lately? Probably not, but you should. You'll likely be shocked to see the list of risks and perils it doesn't cover. And the fact is, most insurance companies are expanding that list to exclude even more things. At X-Insurance, we provide custom personal liability solutions that will enhance your current policy and give you true peace of mind. It's called a true umbrella policy. We provide superior customer service and offer same-day quotes and solutions. So call us today or have your insurance agent call us. We'll review your existing policy, identify your exclusions, and then write a custom X-Insurance true umbrella policy that covers you and all of your assets, giving you true peace of mind. And after all, isn't that what having insurance is all about? For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.